Maybe the separation between the, the pastor and the church is part of that step towards restoration. That may, it, it may just be so broken a relationship that the restoration has to occur in a separate place. The world can bring somebody to say, I'm guilty, mm -hmm. you know. But that's it. But that's it, yeah. you know, and I'll take my punishment and then when I'm done with my punishment, I can move on and, and I'll go someplace where nobody knows me and I can start my life over again. That the world can do. When the church stops at just that, then we've fallen short of, of the grander story that God has. So it's, it's not just I'm forgiving you, I'm, I'm adopting you, I'm making you my child. The healer aspect points to the ministry of Jesus, and in that healing, he takes away our shame. And uh, in taking away our shame, he honors us at that point and, and restores us to what we are intended to be. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard, and man, does it get hard sometimes. We talk a lot about that in this podcast, and let me remind you again that while this podcast has got the main focus of working or directing conversations towards people in ministry, this is for everybody who's committed to the church, everybody who's devoted to the Great Commission, and who believes that God has placed certain people to lead that charge, and those are people we call pastors and church leaders. And uh, we care about them. And uh, hey, my name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host. I'm also the director of Fruitful Vine Ministry. And this is a ministry that works directly with hurting pastors, people in ministry that are going through struggles. I also spend a lot of time just talking to pastors and church leaders about decisions that they're needing to make, transitions, changes. So there's a, a good bit of uh, coaching that comes with it. I love this job because it does... Uh, touch on really the heart of what ministry is all about and uh, gives gives guys a chance to talk about things where normally they don't get a chance to talk about things. It's a safe place. And uh, this is a, uh, a ministry. It's a nonprofit, and we raise support for this. And on occasion, I will mention that, uh, hey, you know, we, we need people to help us out to be able to do what we do. Before You Quit podcast is an extension of Fruitful Vine Ministry. Okay, today's topic, we hear this kind of story a lot. A well-loved pastor, seemingly well put together, model of righteousness, is outed as a sinner. Uh, we find out that to our shock and surprise, he's committed a moral failure or he's admitted to a sexual or an alcoholic addiction. And everyone is just blown away, thrown off, uh, really shocked by this. And we discover oftentimes that for years he's kept the secret to himself and not even those close to him, his wife or his elders knew of his pain. Now imagine if early on when the first moments of his struggle began and before they took over his life, he had had the opportunity, the motivation, the, the uh, understanding, uh, theological understanding of the importance of sharing that with someone else, confessing his sin to someone else, uh, he would have been able to receive forgiveness and encouragement, support, help, counsel, and a lot could have been avoided. I, I've been longing, personally, for a long time to see pastors and church leaders develop uh, a real closeness where each uh, are supporting the other and offering, ex uh, and even the encouragement even extends as far as one another's struggle with sins. Um, I talk a lot about how when church leaders get together or pastors get with each other, what do they talk about? They talk about their church. They don't talk about uh, their own soul and their own struggles. 
Uh, can you imagine where it, it is just not enough to just confess your sins to Jesus, but it's also vital, and we're going to be talking about this today, to act out that confession in close spiritual intimate relationships. Can you imagine the tragedies that would be averted if that was the rhythm in ministry? Uh, what happens when you take that bold step to confess your sin to someone else? And there's not the danger of being rejected or losing your job, but it's actually what it takes to see full healing take place. I sat down with Professor Rosal Heising recently of Tacoa Falls College to hear out his burden of seeing the church, the pastor, discover the joy and freedom that comes from confessing outwardly to others as well as up towards God. What does it mean to act out your confession? And with this, you're going to listen in on an honest conversation about why pastors and church leaders, uh, really, I think most people, are often reluctant to share their struggles with others, and the consequences can be disastrous. Uh, so I sat down with P uh, Professor Russell Heising at Toccoa Falls College uh, recently to talk about this. He teaches in pastoral ministry department, and he's also a guy that has a real burden to see the climate change in many of our churches where being open to confess sins to one another is uh, as common as any conversation. Uh, whether you're in ministry or not, this could be the most freeing experience imaginable. Uh, professor Heising is the Associate Professor of Pastoral Ministries in the Ministry and Leadership Department at Toccoa Falls College. He's been teaching there for five years. He's also an adjunct instructor with Regent University in the School of Business and Leadership uh, in the doctrinal program there, as well as with the undergraduate studies in the Department of Biblical Studies and Christian Ministry. He and his wife, Margaret, have been married for over 20 years. They've been blessed with four great boys, Noah, Joshua, Nathan, and Andrew. I cannot wait for you to listen in on this conversation that we had about the importance of healing that comes through confession. All right, we are here at the campus of Toccoa Falls College in one of their buildings uh, almost off at the edge of campus and with Russell Heising. Russell, thanks so, so much for being part of this Before You Quit podcast. It's a joy to be here, thanks. And you've been a professor here for five years? Uh, going into my fifth year now. And yeah. your position here is? Uh, the Associate Professor of Pastoral Ministry. That's, a, that's exciting, and yes. it's a very important responsibility yes. you have as you train people for... Uh, preaching the gospel mm -hmm. and leading the church, yep. so I'm just thrilled to have this time with you. Thank you. All right, uh, the way we met is there was an article that you wrote in a magazine. We've never met mm -hmm. uh, until I, I read this article. I, I, I didn't know about you until I read this article uh, entitled True Confession. Mm -hmm. And let me just jump in here. This, this is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk with you is the article began with this line that in the following uh, interview, Russell will explain how confessing sins to each other makes for a healthier, more humble uh, church. So we, we want to talk today about uh, the whole idea of transparency in ministry and even broach a little bit the, you know, the importance of confession. When does a pastor confess? What does he confess? How open is he to his people? Because uh, this is a real struggle, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the pastoral role is such that uh, uh, we, lead, we lead the people, we shepherd the people, 
And uh, so that necessarily requires an objectivity in there. Mm -hmm. And that objectivity creates a gap between yeah, us, distance, and yeah. us and people. I, it does. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know that that's a bad thing necessarily. You need that there. And yet that very gap is what causes us to be uncomfortable to... Um, to confess, to be transparent, you know, because that that's not what the people are coming to you for. So yeah, we'll we'll need to talk yeah, about that. Is yeah. what the you know how you bring together expectation right, and, yeah. and realism, right. or what the pastor um, assumes of himself mm -hmm. and what the people assume of right, him. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I think the office is distinct, but the man filling that office is intention. Mm -hmm. Of of uh, can he be any uh, when he's in the office? Can he also be a real person? Right. We we need to address yeah. that. Yeah. So when I read that statement that uh, you wrote, it was it was generally mm -hmm. for Christians about right. confessing sins that, and when we do confess t uh, to each other, it makes for a healthier, more humble church. And my mm -hmm. my immediate reaction was, uh, well, is this also true uh, for the pastor? Mm -hmm. Is that meant to be for the pastor? And um, Tell us why you wrote that, mm. and what are you looking for to happen in the church? I mean, you wrote that because mm -hmm. you were burdened for, for sure. this. Mm -hmm. And and then secondly, how would you answer that question? But this is this also meant, but is this also meant for the pastor? Yeah. I think what, what started, uh, that interview was actually off of an article that I had written a few years earlier, and that article really came about uh, because as I uh, did counseling with people in pastoral ministry, uh, Certainly, there are practical issues that help a person uh, deal with whatever situation they're, they're coming in mm -hmm. with. So, you know, if a, if a parishioner is coming in with pornography as, mm -hmm. as an issue, obviously we want accountability. We want, you know, to think in terms of how are you using, you know, your computer, digital usage, all that kind of, All those logistics are, mm -hmm. are, um, are able to be dealt with, but... Uh, at the end of the day, it's not dealing with the heart issue. If the heart, you could even get pornography to go away, but if the heart issue is still mm -hmm. there, then then it's just going to pop up someplace else. Yeah, like someone can stop drinking, and they're sure. no longer an alcoholic, right. but there are a lot of other things exactly. that, that are exactly. not healthy. Exactly. So really starting to think through, okay, so I'm helping people in my counseling, but am I, am I really helping them in a way that represents the healing that, that Jesus spoke of? You know, not just the physical, but also, you know, spiritual, emotional, psychological, relational healing in a person's life. Is that really happening? Mm -hmm. And as I began to think through that, and certainly with Christian Missionary Alliance Theology, you know, fourfold gospel thinking in terms of um, you know, confession is. I think tied. of my two listeners, one is Christian <laughs> Good, Lyons, perfect. So they'll right. know that. The other one, we might need to do some explaining. Half our audience <laughs> will, will be happy. Uh, Christian Missionary Alliance says in the fourfold gospel, Jesus is our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, and our Coming King. And mm -hmm. so the healer aspect points to the ministry of Jesus. And in that healing, he takes away our shame. And uh, in taking away our shame, he honors us at that point and, and restores us to what we are intended to be. So this is, a, this is one of the forms of the way that we communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that healing isn't just, well, I'm going to you know, get covenant eyes on my computer. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to... The healing is more than that. And as I really thought through that theology and looked in Scripture, you know, of course you come to James 5, which is an important part of Jesus as our healer, you know, that mm -hmm. healing ministry being passed on to the church. 
Uh, in the midst of that, you have confession. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in, in that moment that I started saying, this is a missing, this is a missing mm -hmm. element mm -hmm. here. Uh, not and you're talking about more than just confessing to God, but the horizontal Absolutely, yeah. Because the, the passage actually doesn't say confess to God. It to says confess another. your sins to one mm -hmm. another. Well, and it's a clear command that, you know, there's no issue with the, the textual manuscripts or any of mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So you have this incredible command of God that we, especially as Protestants, just ignore. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so it really started me thinking, well, what would a Protestant confession look like? Mm -hmm. Understanding that we there are historical reasons and issues for the way that Catholicism and Orthodox Christianity has done it, uh, what would a Protestant confession look like? Mm. And so that really got me thinking in yeah, terms of, of how do we confess our sins as Protestants. Yeah, okay. So. And and uh, my bent in, in coming into these interviews, these podcasts, is, is obviously with uh, the desire, again, my, my vision statement here is to bring courage and perspective mm -hmm. when serving gets hard. It's, right. it's primarily focused for people in in leadership, but we want this to be broad right. for, for sure. everyone. Yeah. Uh, but what, what burdens you? You were, you were a pastor for a number of years. Yes. You're a professor mm -hmm. in yep. pastoral leadership mm -hmm. now, but you come at this having had experience mm -hmm. uh, in ministry. Um, what, what are we doing well in, mm -hmm. in this arena, and what are we not doing well? Well, I think at, at some level, I would say that the American pastoral um, role has um, ha has come off of a of a, a pedestal, mm -hmm. which I think is a good thing in general. Uh, I think it's good for our congregation to recognize that we are walking alongside them, not just above them or mm -hmm. ahead of them. Um, but at that same time, there's that tension then between uh, this is a person who wants to come to me to confess mm -hmm. uh, at times. And if that's the case, I, at some level, expect them to be more spiritually mature. But if I'm wrestling with mm -hmm. the same sin that you're wrestling with, how does that, how does that work at that mm. point? And so just from the role between pastor and parishioner, there's, a, there's an issue. And also, I think, from the pastoral perspective, even, uh, for, for a long time. So I, um, part of my testimony is I wandered from the Lord for probably about 10 years and mm. done all sorts of things that... Uh, did not glorify him in any mm. way. It's the easiest way to Was this it. after you'd been in ministry or no, prior, no, no. prior this, to No, this that. was prior to ministry. But when I was in ministry, I, I was, there was a, especially in the early on in ministry, there was almost a, a fear or a concern. What if one of these people come mm. into my church that knew me when I was that person? I mean, we know, okay, yes, the gospel has, you know, and Jesus has But, but has someone could have us, come and, and could expose say, something. expose all yeah. this stuff that no way knew How did about. you deal with that? Well, I, I guess as I began to give my testimony, uh, while I didn't go into details of it, um, I made very clear that there is this time frame in which I, I was not, uh, although, um, so again, from Christian Missionary Alliance theology, mm -hmm. I, I, I had faith in Jesus, but he was not my king. Mm -hmm. I, I had not submitted myself to him. And so that, that is part of the reason why it caused this wandering, I think, for me for that time frame. And then I did all sorts of things that, uh, oddly enough, that uh, I'm not proud of. And yet if I talk too much about it, there, there's this underlying, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there, there can be a pride in, in, in our sinfulness. You yeah. know? And so, so I let people know that that darkness had been there mm -hmm. uh, without going into detail. Right, um, right. 
And I remember, I think, I, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, sure, uh, yeah. Actually, I'm not sorry to interrupt. That's why I interrupted. <laughs> right. um, I remember once uh, just va- in, in a sermon, uh-huh. vaguely referring to an incident that uh-huh. uh, happened when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was no one's business mm-hmm. to, to be specific. It was sure, just right. something that mm-hmm. I did that mm-hmm. I was ashamed of yeah. and then later experienced, mm-hmm. you know, the healing of the gospel. Yeah. And and a couple of people after the service, and they they contacted me during the week. They they were they were persistent. They want yeah. to know what it was, and it was intriguing to them. Yeah. And maybe we could talk mm-hmm. about this a little bit. It was intriguing to them that the pastor was was actually being willing being was being willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, about something in his life. And I think the reason they reacted the way towards me is they were not accustomed to mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Well, and I found that in the, in the counseling side much more mm-hmm. so. You know, people would come in and they'd say, oh, you know, Pastor, you probably don't understand what I'm going through, but I did this and that the other thing. Yeah, and yeah, because you've never you, gone through yeah, this. Yeah, because you, you – and I, my, my common line was, well, I've not always been a pastor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I know more mm-hmm. of what you're going through than, than you realize. And, and, I, and those were situations where I would be – uh, more vulnerable with you know some more of the details of what went on, but a really a, a really wise um, pastor once said to me, you know, you, and they were talking about preaching. But that I wasn't me, by the way. Was it? <laughs> it was not, unfortunately. Uh, they they were talking about preaching, but it applies to this idea of, of transparency. Mm-hmm. Is you, you preach out of your uh, you preach out of your scars, not your wounds. Mm. Meaning, uh, make sure something is healed before you before you become too transparent. With can you give it. an example of that so that we can, well, we yeah. can see that practically? Uh, you know, um, uh, so uh, you know, one of the one of the areas that I wrestled with uh, quite a bit um, when I was wandering from the Lord was drug usage. Mm. You know, I, I can speak to that now because it's not. Uh, it's not really, it's not anything that I wrestle with anymore. Uh, I could, I, I think I could probably be even in that scenario and, and be able to say no to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could speak to that and, and be able to use that as an example of uh, of how God has healed me in that particular area. Uh, it's been confessed to people. There's no temptation there, you know, so that's a good Preaching or or uh, transparency out of the scars. So so the, the difference to to mm-hmm. distinguish between mm-hmm. the wounds and scars. Mm-hmm. The, the in this case it, it was you're sharing what has contributed to your story. Mm-hmm. It sure. contributed to your call. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where it might be unhealthy mm-hmm. is if a pastor is still struggling Correct. with with yes. something. Yeah. Um, but, Not but, to say that they don't need a place of confession mm-hmm. or to be transparent with somebody. Just not necessarily, perhaps, the whole church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I know where the mm. story goes with my drug usage. Right. I don't know where the story goes with other sins that I might be struggling with. Mm. You know, mm. and so to put that out there, um, I, I'm not. I'm not sure that biblically that's even necessarily. Yeah. Needed. Oh, I think we'll yeah. we'll touch on. Yeah. I got a couple of questions. Yeah, sure. By the way, I talked to a pastor the other day. He's bivocational mm-hmm. and and. Uh, uh, he told me that he sells drugs on the side. Mm. Uh, he's a pharmacist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he has a dramatic pause yes. yeah. for, you know, for effect there. Uh, one of the things that I'm burdened for, again, my bent here is mm-hmm. is the well-being of pastors or people in missionary, mm-hmm. uh, ministry, missionaries, church leaders, is that, uh, again, we're all human, mm-hmm. as human as anybody else. Mm-hmm. We struggle with many of the same things. 
Um, but there's a there's a, a fear of um, impact on what we do if we confess. So I want to talk a little bit about the role of confession and what I refer to as a, as a fearful context. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if a, if a pastor shares this, and I I've, I've been in in connection with some who because they did confess, uh, things altered drastically mm-hmm. in their life, yeah. and and uh, I'm not sure we are good at. Uh, knowing how to respond to people in ministry mm-hmm. when they fail, right. and, th- and then we've got to talk about what you know are there degrees here that mm-hmm. okay you cross the line there. Pornography, for example, mm-hmm. I, someone was telling me yesterday, seventy percent of men struggle with this, mm-hmm. and then the statistics with pastors is somewhere around forty or fifty mm-hmm. or perhaps mm-hmm. more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could be an example of something we talk about. But what what is the role of um, of uh, confession in ongoing? Uh, struggles in because we we are hampered if we're mm-hmm. if we're struggling cons- you know uh, regularly with certain things that are uh, either habitual addictive mm-hmm. uh, we're, we can be ineffective. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you encourage a pastor to do who uh, knows that he needs to you know yeah he confesses it all the time to Jesus right. and I you, I mm-hmm. believe you are right hundred percent that there's something completed in that mm-hmm. when we confess to others. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little yeah. bit. Well, it, uh, I tell my students, find somebody now who is either at the same spiritual level of maturity or beyond, hmm. who you can be, uh, who is trustworthy, somebody who you can be vulnerable with, and somebody who's going to, uh, that you can confess your sins to. It, it, I don't know how else to, to take mm. James 5 without doing mm. that. And I do think in some level the pastor is in a unique role just because of the role that uh, he might be in. But uh, that doesn't, that doesn't uh, allow him to, to not uh, fulfill this, this command. So mm. finding another, preferably another pastor, probably not necessarily your elders, although at some level it could be that. So for instance, uh, in my last church, um, I had covenant eyes on my computer, and one of my elders were were the person that the report would go to Mm -hmm. because I wanted there to be integrity there, and I wanted it to be integrity with the leadership of the church. And so, uh, so that was an appropriate confession, but but it really was more of an accountability. And in the article I talk about, there really is a difference between accountability and mm-hmm. confession. So I think that uh, a pastor needs to seek out somebody who he can who he can confess to, somebody it's, who will be confidential, um, but can um, somebody who he he can. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, so you're he, the first yeah. one to have a phone ring during an interview. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> So he needs he really needs to to seek out somebody who he can confess mm-hmm. to who is trustworthy that he can be vulnerable with because uh, um, in first John it, it talks about walking in darkness and mm-hmm. walking in light and I think part of what John is doing there is not explicit but I think there's at least an echo of confession there mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, the dark cannot stand in the midst yeah. of the light yeah. so when we bring our sins out into the light, uh, it, it cannot be victorious over the long haul. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it doesn't mean I confess once and mm-hmm. I'm, 
utterly free of it forever. Well, you're talking about a rhythm, you know, for for people going into ministry, getting in the habit now of of, uh, being open and transparent, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, I think this generation, my son is in his 20s, and uh, his peers, they're they're really good at Mm -hmm. talking openly with each other about their their struggles. My generation, maybe your generation, you're a little younger Mm -hmm. than me, um, we, we were... I think what was nurtured with us was like we we need to maintain a uh, an honorable. Mm-hmm. We need to project something you know that's consistent with the mm-hmm. office and that's holiness, righteousness. Mm-hmm. And if you're struggling, mm-hmm. uh, it's best that you kind of deal with that offline. Right. Right. So what is what's the role of of the church? Maybe more so in the leadership of the church in the in the pastor's spiritual well being because this is mm-hmm. what we're this is what we're wanting. This is really what we're sure. talking about is for yeah. a pastor, not just to model confession, mm-hmm. but to be a healthy model mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, of being a, a man who's pursuing righteousness. Right. I, would, I, I probably place uh, as much responsibility on the pastor's spiritual well-being on the elders as much as on I the agree. pastor mm-hmm. himself. Yes. Uh, in the sense that the elders need to be able to um, uh, allow for there to be weakness and failure mm-hmm. and um, and to to be himself at some level, not in sinfulness, but to mm-hmm. be himself. Uh, they need to allow that safe space to, to occur and that perhaps the pastor is going to say things about a parishioner every now and then that... <laughs> Maybe even shouldn't be said, mm-hmm. but the elders mm-hmm. are there as a as a, um, a listening a as a listening ear, yeah. 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 As and so the elders need need to be that that uh, support net for him, as well as encouraging him to say, "You don't need to confess to us, but we want to know that you have somebody to confess to." So uh, again, kind of a difference between accountability and confession where they hold the pastor accountable. Mm-hmm. Do you have some, we don't want to know what's going on in that conversation because we recognize that, that, that perhaps that, that, uh, that bridges that gap mm-hmm. too, too much at that point. And then now it becomes difficult yeah. for you to be yeah. our pastor. Yeah. So we want to maintain that, that uh, healthy objectivity there, but we want to know that you have somebody. If you don't have somebody, we're going to help you find somebody. So what would you encourage a new pastor in a church committed to this idea mm-hmm. of, of developing a, uh, a rhythm of, of transparency, openness, mm-hmm. bringing people into his life? Uh, he wants to be real. He wants, mm-hmm. to, uh, he wants to be honest with people. He really believes that his preaching will be much more uh, effective and mm-hmm. impactful, impactful if he's got uh, you know, good relationships mm-hmm. with men where it's not peripheral stuff but, right. but very, very real. Mm-hmm. How does he go about looking for that mm-hmm. and setting sure. that up? I, I think, uh, so uh, again, you have multiple relationships going on here. So I think as he has that confession relationship, that uh, frees him from uh, the guilt and the shame that goes along with the sin. Which is a good that that's mm-hmm. where healing begins to occur, and depending on the depth of the sinfulness that's going on, that might be uh, that might be ongoing. In which case, you don't preach out of your wounds; you preach mm-hmm. out of your scars. So, uh, so he has that relationship with the elders. As he has those healings that occur, those can then be shared with the elders at that point to say, "This is who I am. This mm-hmm. is this is what I've been through." 
uh, and allow the elders who probably know the church better than the new pastor does, mm. certainly, mm. Uh, for them to be able to say, that's something you need to share with our church family. Mm. We need to hear that. Because they have a pulse of the They have a pulse of the congregation. Mm. Or other things where they might say, I'm not sure that, that we're ready for that yet. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, but pastor course, could say, I get angry. I, I have a, a habit of being very impatient, mm-hmm. and this is I've struggled with this in the past. Yeah. I'm coming into this new church. Mm-hmm. I want you to be aware. Right. Um, you're really asking the leadership to help you sure. uh, to, yep. to be healthy mm-hmm. in, in that area. And I think that's where, it, you know, whether the – so uh, unfortunately the pastoral role in America – well, I should say for better or for worse, it's trans. Mm-hmm. Whether that's a good model or not a good model, it, that's a whole different podcast probably. But uh, but because we are transient as pastors, mm-hmm. we are deeply relying upon the local elders to actually be the spiritual leaders that, mm. of that church. Because if they're okay. not the spiritual leaders, I'm coming in. I'm blind yeah. for at least the first two to three years. Yeah, that's a whole. You that know. could be a whole other conversation <laughs> of how the leadership so. in the church uh, nurtures a, yeah. a an environment yeah. where where people are can be very open yeah. and honest with each other. Um, so, so I would up yeah. the ante on the elders at yeah, that point, good. and then at that point, once the elders say, "No, this is something that our congregation needs to hear," then then you start getting it into sermons, mm-hmm. into small groups, into you're over our house for dinner. You know, you, you say you're wrestling, or the person comes for confession. Are you wrestling with anger? I've had that issue. Mm-hmm. I know. I mm-hmm. I can pray for you because I've been there. And so then, then they, then the pastor has a sense, especially a new pastor, a sense of where where are these people spiritually in their maturity and, and in terms of the areas that are going to be um, sensitive. And, and not that the because the pastor's role is oftentimes to. Uh, uh, another pastor friend said to me, you know, our job is, you know, our, our people have been shot in a war and our job is to stick our finger mm-hmm. in the wound and to yeah. pull the bullet out. And so it hurts. Yeah. So it's not necessarily, well, I can't say this because it will hurt somebody, but knowing what what is the right healing, mm-hmm. the right medicine to use. And sometimes it's the right and sometimes it's the wrong. Mm-hmm. And the elders can give a significant amount of, of guidance in that. That's good. That's so. good. I appreciate that. Well, we're going to pause here because yeah. this is a, a, a two-parter. Okay. There are a number of things. <laughs> I, what I want to talk about next is, is more uh, specifically, let's hone in more on on how how transparent can and should mm-hmm. a pastor be in his in his preaching, mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd like to talk too about the the issue of failure, mm-hmm. and w- you know where, what is the point where the pastor needs to be out of the community, mm-hmm. yeah. but are there times where uh, in his failure the community the church committee can be part of his healing because that, that that's something mm-hmm. I sense is really mm-hmm. missing. So we'll sure. come back and talk okay. about that. All right, we will be back in just a few minutes and continue this wonderful and challenging conversation with Russell. Uh, But before we do, I want to ask you to help me with something. Uh, I'm deeply encouraged by the response to these podcasts. Uh, It would really help if a good number of you would go to iTunes or Google Play, and you should know how to do this when you're there, and leave a review of this podcast. Give it five stars, and uh, that would help us out a lot to get the word out. Uh, I want to remind you also that by going to our website, www.beforeyouquit.us, you can read uh, uh, probably 60 to 70 blogs that I've written in the last several years and listen to, I think, up to 9 or 10, maybe more podcasts that have been 
put out there on exciting and challenging issues related to the struggles and ministry, the challenges in the Christian life, uh, always with a goal of bringing courage and perspective when serving gets hard. Okay, let's rejoin the conversation now with Russell Heising. All right, we're back with uh, Russell Heising. Great conversation in our previous uh, talk here, talking about just nurturing an environment of, uh, of op- openness and transparency and, and, and how, yeah, it's so easy to uh, respond to sin in our life mm-hmm. by confessing it to God, but there's, there's something completed in that when we mm-hmm. confess to each other. And I like what you talked about, the importance of the elders, mm-hmm. uh, whether there's a, a new pastor or... Uh, they're trying to create a new uh, a new rhythm in their in their uh, body life of uh, of really develop you know thinking through what that could look like in their congregation. So we're not we're not living artificial lives, which lends itself to hypocrisy because people uh, know that they're they can only be a certain way within the context of the church, but they're really struggling with a lot mm-hmm. of things outside. So I want to talk uh, specifically here about the pastor. And his responsibility to uh, to confession, uh, to transparency, to being transparent. Um, I want to start probably jumping in the deep end here. Uh, a pastor has has some kind of failure, mm-hmm. uh, and the tendency, in my experience, has been to see a guy uh, being told, "Okay, um, this has happened. We've got to do damage control mm-hmm. here." Yeah. And before it gets too bad to the church, you need to leave, go mm-hmm. somewhere else. There's been no opportunity for any significant amount of healing within mm-hmm. uh, the context that, that he was shepherding. How, uh, what's your burden there? Well, I, uh, I was in a context once where uh, it was found out that one of our, uh, one of our elders was uh, in, a, in, a, in a significant um, uh, sin. And... As we discussed that it, uh, as a pastoral staff, we talked about we talked about redemption. You know, mm-hmm. we, we and he was not he was not um, uh, he, he was not repentant at all, uh, and so we wanted to make sure that at some level this would come back around someday. Mm. You know, we wanted to act in such a way that it would come back one day and that there would be repentance. And uh, and certainly we wanted that, and so we went through di- steps of discipline and whatnot. But in the midst of that conversation, it really started to reframe it for me. I don't know that we wanted to come back to repentance. What we wanted to come back to was restoration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one day, uh, this elder would be able to serve as an elder again. It, it, with blamelessness, mm-hmm. with uh, a- appropriate healing going on, making sure that repentance has occurred, all that kind of stuff, but true restoration. Mm-hmm. That, to me, the repentance was part of uh, this story fitting into the gospel, but it wasn't, it wasn't the end of it. it. The end of it was restoration. And really, when we talk about confession, that's the role of confession. Is it, that's it's the goal. Part, yeah, yeah. It, it, is, it is one of the steps within the process of restoration. How can I be restored as a person. Well, certainly I need to be restored between me and God because that relationship is is obviously first and foremost, but I need to be restored with the rest of the body of believers. So so the believers have a certain responsibility in how they respond. Sure. Again, my yeah. burden mm-hmm. is we tend to mm-hmm. it's self-preserve we've yeah. got to preserve yes. our integrity, right. our yes. name here, yeah. 
So it's best that you move on and, and go to another right. uh, assignment. Which ultimately uh, is not a loving response. Right. It, no, it might be the... It's a self-preservation yes, response. Yeah, but it might be the conclusion response. at the end that it's best that you <laughs> sure, do that, right. but uh, yeah. there needs to be yeah. efforts to to really show love yeah. and concern. So how, how do you do that? And, and I think that step becomes, is this a step towards the restoration? Mm-hmm. Maybe the separation between the, the pastor and the church is part of that step towards restoration. That may It may just be so broken a relationship that the restoration has to occur in a separate place. That's fine. Sure. But restoration has to be part of that. You know. So how do we restore this person back to the calling that God has placed on, on his or her life, to, you know, because this would be for parishioners as well. So um, I don't think we think in those terms often. I, I think I think more often we think uh, I've been hurt uh, because my, my pastor has done something that he ought not to have done, and, uh, and we respond out of hurt. And so oftentimes that means that we want him to hurt or we want to be angry with him or mm-hmm. we want How to, could he have punish him to him in some us way and, yeah. you know, all, all those questions are all coming and because congregations are made up of multiple people you've got all of those different responses all happening at one time and so stepping back from that and saying okay what did Christ come to do did Christ come mm. simply to tell us that we've sinned and we've done wrong and for us to come to repentance and yes, he did come mm-hmm. for that, but he came for much, much more than that. And so we have to figure out how we can work towards that place of, of make, you know, making it be an echo of Revelation 21 and 22, mm. which, which is far grander and actually, quite honestly, something that the world can't do. The world can bring somebody to say I'm guilty, mm-hmm. you know. But that's it. But that's it. Yeah. You know, and I'll take my punishment, and then when I'm done with my punishment, I can move on, and and I'll go someplace where nobody knows me, and I can start my life over again. That the world can do. When the church stops at just that, then we've fallen short of of the grander story that God has. So it's it's not just I'm forgiving you. I'm I'm adopting you. I'm making you my child. I'm. Um, I, I don't know if this would be too long of an illustration, but the illustration I give to my students is, you know, if, if I had come and I, I kill somebody who is, you know, your loved one, you know, um, so I, I ought to go to jail. And so mm-hmm. I go to jail. Um, if you visit me in jail, th- there's grace going on there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you might even forgive me. Uh, you might even advocate for my release. Mm-hmm. But for you to invite me over for my next Thanksgiving meal, to sit with you and eat, eat mm, a meal with you, after I'm out of jail. Uh, oh, after, yeah. okay. you know, you've advocated for me to come yeah. out of jail. So you've done all this good yeah. stuff and helped me to, to kind of get some yes, of my life yes. back and whatnot. But, but to go that extra step to say, no, you're, still, you're a part of us. That's what God has done. You know, he's not just forgiven us and redeemed us. He's restored us and mm-hmm. made him, us his children. And so all of our stories of repentance can't stop at repentance mm-hmm. they have to bring it around to restoration so you know my when with this elder who who had fallen into sin my my advocating was yes we need all this process of discipline absolutely you know scripture talks about because yeah, you don't want to ignore you know? it you don't want to ignore it that's not right either that mm-hmm. that's wrong uh, but at the same time, let's let's set our goal for something more than just he comes in and he's really sorry mm. about what he's done. 
You know, yes, we need that, but mm-hmm. we need more. Well, the most beautiful example is Jesus restoring Peter. Sure. You know, do yes. you love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Absolutely. Yep. It, uh, it, it yeah. brought Peter to yeah. a humble place mm-hmm. of, of completely receiving forgiveness. Yep. And, and Jesus proved it by saying, okay, now I want you back on the team, right. you know, yeah. and, and that's... And, and actually goes beyond it. So, you know, in that, in that passage, it's an, it's an interesting passage because, first of all, it starts with fish, which brings us all the way back to the beginning of John where Jesus called them while they were fishing. Fishers, I want you yes. to be fishers of men. And now he ups the ante and says, mm-hmm. I don't want you to just fish. I want you mm-hmm. to shepherd now. And what's interesting is in those questions, he keeps saying, a Simon... Simon, Simon. Mm-hmm. Well, he hasn't called him Simon since the very Before, beginning you of the, know. you know, John chapter one. When you know he's introduced, he says, "Well, you're, you're Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter now." Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden, Peter is faced with, "Do I want to go back to what mm-hmm. I was before? Mm-hmm. Do I want to just be a fisher of men? Do I want to be a shepherd like Jesus, who's the great shepherd in John chapter, you know, in, in God, mm-hmm. John's gospel?" Mm-hmm. So you have, it's yeah, it's restoration, but it's beyond just a three questions offset mm-hmm. these three denials yeah. it's jesus um it's revelation 21 22 mm-hmm. it's going beyond anything yeah. that we could imagine yeah so. that's beautiful yeah um i'll concede here that maybe there might be more than two, two <laughs> listeners here Let, let's say one of them and I, I suspect this will be the case that there will be a, a pastor or someone who's mm-hmm. been in ministry who uh, has uh, because of the way people might have responded to his sin or maybe mm-hmm. the way he responded to them mm-hmm. Uh, because of their sin towards him, and he's he lives discouraged, he lives mm-hmm. defeated, he feels ineffective, he's out of ministry, which is not always bad. I don't mm-hmm. think the 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 uh, the goal is always to be back in mm-hmm. ministry; it's to be uh, it's to serve Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wh- how how does a can can a guy go back and reclaim what was not handled well? Mm. Yes. Um. Obviously, that goes through, again, the process of um, reconciliation, repentance, restoration. So all of that has, if that has Mm. not occurred, it's not like you can leave it does he find and another then, context then, to yeah. that there the other others are representative of yeah. the well and that and you know i tell my my uh, pastoral students uh you know if you especially the seniors i say you know if you've made it this far in the program uh, i have no doubt that god has a calling on your life mm, for pastoral that. ministry that's so affirming wow. so uh, but and you're that you're that harsh huh? if i am that harsh <laughs> if, they, if they've made it to year uh-huh. four then uh but um and I said, you know, after you graduate, you know, Martin and I love to travel. Mm-hmm. We want to know where you are. We want to mm. visit you. And I don't care whether you're in a church oh, or whether you're in McDonald's. I said, your calling is to be pastoral. And you can be just mm. as pastoral in McDonald's as you can be in the church. And so don't be ashamed of where God has mm. you. Be a pastor wherever God places you. Mm. And, and I would say the same thing for pastors who have fallen. I, I don't think that in that process of restoration that the ministry is necessarily uh, negated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes there are consequences. Sure. To, you know, we sure. live in a broken world yeah. and we live with scars. Yeah. You know, And so sometimes that is the, the, uh, what happens. But I would challenge them to say, if God has restored you, then he's restored you to your calling. And so wherever you are, yeah. be a pastor in that place. The goal is not always to be back in, in vocational right, ministry. Exactly. It's to be, it's yeah. to be 
in a healthy place of serving yes, Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And and knowing they're forgiven. Right. And and yes. being and and able to continue in, a, in maybe a new community because mm-hmm. what happens is trust is lost. You know, mm-hmm. a guy will go yeah. back to you know start attending church again. I've I've seen this mm-hmm. a number of times. I was almost there in a recent mm-hmm. situation yeah. where I, I I moved out of a difficult uh, mm-hmm. situation. It took me about a year to. To feel to long for community yeah. again, yeah. and and to embrace the new community, and 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 to allow myself to be vulnerable, yeah. you know that. Uh, and pastors' wives struggle probably more than pastors do yeah. because they've seen their man hurt. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage those who who would be hearing this that if they if there's still business to to mm-hmm. to to be done in terms of. Uh, of pursuing healing, it uh, you know, t- talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Say how yeah. I, I really I'm not at a good place. I'm yeah. stuck. I hear that word mm-hmm. stuck yeah. a lot, yep. and yep. I don't like being stuck. If I hear well, if I hear names, I'm angry. If right. I if I'm reminded of of that church or that mm-hmm. experience, that mission field, mm-hmm. I, I have a, I have an emotional reaction mm-hmm. that that bothers me. Yeah, I, I think part of what goes along with that. So it, you know, American. Gospel proclamation is very, very good dealing with guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> we, we ha- and what I mean by that is that, you know, on the cross, Jesus died for us. We're forgiven of our sins. He has paid the penalty. All, and that is mm-hmm. all true and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, our culture has no way of dealing with shame. Mm. We, I don't know that we mm. even have, I, I mean, we have a word for it, but mm. we don't, we don't, uh, uh, I don't know that we can identify it very mm. easily, and yet it's obviously there because it's yeah. part of sin. Yeah, and that's where the healing part really does come in. That you know, uh, the, the disciples walk by Bartimaeus and they say, "Well, who sinned, this man or his mm-hmm. parents?" And Jesus says, "Neither of them." Mm. You know, it, he has this incredible Bartimaeus has this incredible shame upon him because he's this blind man. Uh, even though he hasn't even done anything wrong, and yet Jesus is there to heal him. Mm-hmm. Um, when we when we fall, when we sin, uh, there's not just guilt associated with it. There's shame associated mm-hmm. with it. And for pastors, I think shame is is a much harder thing to deal with mm-hmm. than the guilt. The guilt mm-hmm. we can deal with. We yeah. we know that Jesus died for our sins and yeah. he forgave us. And I I don't I think we oftentimes know it in our mind and can even understand it in our hearts. But that shame, that that sense that I didn't just do something wrong, but I, I am wrong. Mm-hmm. There's something mm-hmm. wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think cuts deeply into the life of a pastor. Mm-hmm. So healing needs to occur. What James five says that healing goes along with confession. confession yeah. And so that that's where again we kind of come back to. It, it's necessary for us to have that place. So. Um, it, there was there was a, a situation that had, had occurred during my ministry, uh, and uh, for uh, for a long time I had told uh, really nobody about it, uh, very few people about it, and um, and then after a few years, uh, you know, I, I went to my pastor and I sat with him and I shared uh, what had happened, and, and there's there's. There's healing that occurred mm. there. There's mm. a freedom that yeah. occurred yeah. that that um, I, I knew I had been forgiven. I knew I had been forgiven by the people that I had hurt through that sin. I knew that um, I knew that God had forgiven me, um, but it, it allowed that shame to go mm. away. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. 
we have a, a two-year-old granddaughter who spends a lot of time at her house, and she will often, I mean, typical for a child that age, she'll uh, be in her room as we're saying goodnight to her, and she'll point up, we have like a collection of elephants, mm-hmm. and oftentimes she'll say, I'm afraid of uh, those elephants, or I'm afraid of the dark, and uh, when I when we were raising our kids, the nice thing about grandparents, being grandparents, <laughs> you get to do it right this time. But um, when we, we would raise our own kids and they'd be uh, express fear, we'd say, oh, you don't need to be afraid. And, and and with her, I've said, you know, Papa Mitch gets scared sometimes too. And she relaxes. Yeah. And I've thought about that with ministry is when people share things with us, the pastor can say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've struggled with that too. Mm-hmm. And that's not abnormal. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how well does that work? Because there, there is, there is the expectation that the pastor better uh, be more righteous than me, better project. So I had another quick story here. I'll let you respond. Uh, I had shared something uh, in on a Sunday sermon. It, the Lord had convicted me. I'd, I'd confessed to the. I told the story. Actually, I didn't really confess, but I told the story of having gone on my day off when my guard was down. And I was purchasing something at a store, and the clerk was taking way too long. Mm-hmm. And I got snappy. I, I was very impatient. Mm-hmm. I reacted. And I, I could not sleep that night. So the next morning, I, I went there and apologized. And the lady was shocked. I said, I'm, I don't think she remembered me. Right. And I shared that with my congregation. Uh, two months later, a group of people came and wanted to meet with me. And I think there were other issues that mm-hmm. they wanted to bring up as well. But they said, when you shared that with us, that was very inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's not what we hired you to do. Uh, we need you to be different. We, we don't need to see your dirty laundry uh, hanging out and for you to talk about your dirty laundry. How does a pastor live with that tension of being a struggling, sinful human being with a special call in his life, but you have that kind of expectation? Yeah. Uh, well, let me back it up just a little uh, and say, you know, much, if not all, of life is a bell curve. So you have, mm-hmm. you have these outliers, mm-hmm. okay? So on one side, the outliers, what we had talked about in the last segment, uh, you know, for our generation, it's I need to look like everything mm-hmm. is in place. Uh, when I talked to Dr. Stumbo, who's the president of Christian Missionary Alliance, he said that the, the next generation is on the other side of the outlier, where sometimes they make up things that are wrong because yeah, yeah. They there's want, credibility they want, with there's that. There's credibility in that transparency. And mm. so, so we don't want either He's so one of real. These. He's, yeah, so he's so honest. Real, he's so <laughs> honest. And, yeah. and here these pastors were admitting to him, if I understood the, the story correctly, but the, these pastors were admitting to him, some of this stuff, I, I'm making it sound mm. worse than it is because it, it gives me credibility with the people. So neither of those are good. Mm. Both of those are facades. Mm. Um, I think that the... Um, I think a lot of it goes back to, to much of the stuff that we've talked about of making sure that um, you're presenting scars, not wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that your elders are around you for that uh, in the sense that they're saying, yeah, this is something that are kind of, Not that you have to run everything mm-hmm. past the elders. I'm not suggesting that sure, at all. And, sure. the, and the story that you shared is not something that I would feel the elders have to give mm-hmm. their sure. you know, premature to. But... Um, but at the same time, um, I, I, I would, um, perhaps in that particular scenario, 
perhaps try and you said there are many other things going on so mm -hmm. it might it might be a hill not worth dying on yeah, at that point yeah. so you just kind of let it mm -hmm. go because the presenting problem is never the problem so yeah. they present this problem but really what's going on is this other stuff yeah. and so sometimes it's best just to let that that go but if that truly was the issue if that was like the prime issue that they were coming to i i would uh, I would encourage other pastors at some level to uh, to use that as a pastoral moment. Why is that mm. wrong to share? Mm. You know, how how is it inappropriate for that to be shared? I, um, um, I I sometimes do walk in the dark. Mm. I want to come out in the light, yeah. and bringing this out in the light helps me to, mm. to walk in the light. Um, so to use that as a pastoral experience, uh, perhaps. Uh, perhaps the parishioners don't want you sharing because they they don't want to share, mm. you know. Um, so uh, so there's part partially that, but um, but clearly there's a tremendous burden on pastors to have an expectation of righteousness mm -hmm. and. And that's uh, and he should strive for that. I sure, mean, absolutely. That, I yeah, think, I'm not, I, yeah, I I believe that the. Uh, I don't think you should lean into the sure, darkness. Sure. Yeah. You, know, yeah, you lean yeah. into the darkness. Yeah. And I think I've been. I as a there. pastor, I was motivated mm -hmm. to uh, to be holy, and mm -hmm. in part because I was a pastor, right, I knew sure. that I was preaching the word mm -hmm. on Sunday, and I yeah. I was I wanted my life to be pure right. on Sunday, mm -hmm. and I knew sure. I was leading shepherding people. Right. So it's it's a healthy motivator, right. but yes. we should not that should not force us to right. to not acknowledge right. when, when well, that, real that's where the problem comes yeah. in. So yeah. so the the pursuit of holiness is a good thing. Mm -hmm. The the modeling of holiness. So that I mean, Paul says in First Corinthians eleven, he, he and someplace else as well. I think, but I know First Corinthians eleven. He says. You know, imitate me mm -hmm. as I imitate Christ. And you look at that from our perspective. We say, well, we would never say mm -hmm. imitate me. Yeah. Yeah. We would always yeah. say just imitate Christ. Yeah. But Paul is saying you need, and this is something that I think is critical for us to understand and why confession actually has to be acted out. Mm -hmm. um, it, certainly there's a spiritual component to our, to our faith, mm -hmm. but there's a physical component as well. And we forget that oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So if I don't see somebody acting it out, yeah. I'm not going to be able to, to experience I, it. I love that phrase is, <laughs> that hangs over this conversation, acting out your confession. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's apt. So it's, it's, you uh, have to act it yeah, out. It, yeah. it can't just be I'm going to pray it to yeah, God because yeah. ultimately – Sooner or later, that that will not be sufficient, and I think that's what James five is getting at. Yes. I need to yeah. I need to be doing that in front of somebody, and somebody doing it in front of me as well, in order for both of us mm -hmm. to grow in our faith. So, is it appropriate then at that point for you to say to your parishioners, "Well, here's everything," and mm -hmm. kind of word vomit on them? No, I, I don't think that that's appropriate. As parents, I don't confess everything to my children. Mm -hmm. Well, why? Well, because they're partially they're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. They're not really the appropriate people to be talking to. They can't give me the kind of insight that I need as a parent or as a husband or a wife to be able to to speak into our relationship. So it's not because I don't love them. It's not because I don't want to see them 
confess at some point. Mm-hmm. It's just they're they're not they're not where we are. Yeah, yeah, it's not know? necessary. It's not. It's yeah, not necessary. Yeah. I would suggest the the pastor parishioner role is in some ways similar to that. Mm-hmm. Not that the pastor is better, but hopefully the pastor is a little bit further along. Hopefully a little mm-hmm. bit more mature than the people in the congregation. And so there's this parent-child relationship that's going on that appropriately says, this is not stuff that you yeah. and I can talk about. But that doesn't mean that I don't need to talk about it with somebody else. And that's where pastors yeah. need to have... I, I think a, a rule, two, two rules, uh, and I'm, I'm just yeah, thinking sure. of these yeah. things right now for a pastor sharing something of his own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, if it, in a pastoral moment, he knows it'd be helpful for... Mm-hmm the 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 growth in mm-hmm. in the person he's he's ministering to and secondly if the if the text warrants it if right. there's something sure. in his mm-hmm. uh, in what he's preaching about mm-hmm. allows for that to be a great opportunity mm-hmm. to point to the gospel sure. to point to grace to mm-hmm. point redemption and, and using your story so that mm-hmm. what shines what's mm-hmm. highlighted is the cross yes. and mm-hmm. and you're a living testimony mm-hmm. another another testimony right of what Jesus mm-hmm. is able to do. And that's a presentation of the gospel. I, I think, it's, again... Yeah, it's another it, presentation of the gospel, it, it, exactly. In, in American Christianity, again, I think too often we have kind of leaned into, well, the gospel is for those who don't know Christ. And while that mm. is obviously true, yeah. the gospel has to be for me. I mean, unless I've made it, mm-hmm. unless I'm there, yeah. then I still have parts of me that need to know and understand and bow themselves to the gospel yeah and so i need to hear the gospel every day every day (laughs) every day i need to hear it and there's another part of me hopefully that is dying and that is taking on the new life of christ that's what i would hope for in in the process of you know being sanctified in christ it's great you end this way i was going to remind us that uh and I, i believe this this is um what I picked up and what you had written that the, the, the drive here is the gospel. Mm-hmm. The, the yes. reason confession happens is so that the body can be united, functioning together, mm-hmm. loving each other, being a, a living example of, of, of grace, of redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how else will people know what forgiveness looks like mm-hmm. unless it's not unless it's told on? You know, on a on a platform of, mm-hmm. of a real life, a real mm-hmm. family. Right. You know, where there's been brokenness, yet there's been healing. Yeah. People need to see yeah. that. Well, and that that's what fights against those outliers that we talked mm-hmm. about. So, yes. if I'm sharing, this is how yesterday the gospel mm-hmm. worked in my life. Then it's it's necessarily going against that outlier that says I have to have a perfect exterior. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it also keeps me from leaning into. Because I want to get away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want I want the God. I want to be growing away from uh, the natural tendencies mm-hmm. of my life. And so yeah. the gospel uh, really um, it lifts us above all that. That's so, beautiful. Yeah. Well, but uh, Charles Spurgeon writes this: My hope lives not because I am not a sinner, but because I am a sinner for whom Christ died. Yeah. My trust is not that I am holy, but that being unholy, he is my righteousness. Amen. Amen. And yeah. there's no better message that the pastor can mm-hmm. preach but also project yes. than, than that. Yeah. Hey, great uh, two, two conversations here, yeah. and thank you so much for giving of your yeah. time and your life. And I know people will be very encouraged by yeah. what you have to share. And I'm, I'm so glad that you have uh, opportunity to develop young people here that uh, can take this with them into their ministry. It'll be a blessing. and You are a blessing to them. Thank, Thank you, Russell. You. Blessed to be a blessing. Thank, Thank you. you. 
All right. Well, there you have it. I want to thank you again for listening to the Before You Quit podcast. Hey, if you have any questions, any concerns, anything that you want to comment on regarding anything we've talked about today on the Before You Quit podcast, especially on this topic with Russell Heising on confession, uh, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. And you can also, again, go to our website and check out other blogs and podcasts there. Love to hear from you. Love for you to pass this on to uh, your Facebook page. Share it on your Facebook page. Tell your pastor about it. Let your church elders know about this podcast. It'll be a real encouragement. It's a great resource tool for people in ministry. So pass this around. Maybe some missionaries that are working overseas. Uh, This would be a great gift to them. Let them know about the Before You Quit podcast. So... Until next week, stay encouraged, be courageous, because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.